Welcome to By the Sword, where we discuss the modern study of historical European martial arts, or HEMA, with instructors, experts and martial artists from all over the world. Our sponsor today is none other than our Patreon members. You folks are bringing swords and HEMA to listeners worldwide, so thank you. To support our work and receive exclusive benefits, visit patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. In today's podcast, I talk to Isabel Montalvo, an actor, physiotherapist, researcher and historical fencer from Mexico. We discuss her research, physical movement and the science behind HEMA. The episode was recorded on Instagram Live, 6th September, 2020. So my, when I started doing these interviews, it was a, a response to the lockdown. And uh, that seems like a lifetime ago now. Like, obviously, COVID is still with us, but this is like, we're just used to it now. So how is how has it affected life in Mexico? How How is your lives affected now? It's a really big question because um, every sector of society is living this pandemic really different. Right. Uh, for example, uh, the lowest sector, the most immediate sector is on the streets working and uh, living their lives normally. Ooh. And it has been a great impact to that. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, fortunately, I have been able to keep my job. I am working from home. I am studying from home also. So that has been a really uh, good thing for me and my family. Mm-hmm. However, there's a lot of people that uh, they have been forced kind of mm-hmm. to go out and work. Okay. Um so on to the HEMA aspect of um, the interview. Um, I, for, the, for the benefit of the people viewing, what is your, um, how did you get into HEMA? How did it all begin for you? Oh, that's a really good question because uh, <laughs> that's a really, really interesting question because I was just uh, getting out of acting school. Okay. And like eight months later, I found out at this school, it was uh, Roberto Martinez Loyo School. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very known worldwide. So I went to a class. I went to see a class first in Elite Fencing Club, and I absolutely adored it. It was like, oh, my God, what is this? And why anyone in the acting industry is not doing this, is not learning this? Because... In my previous experience, I had a teacher, uh, an Olympic fencing teacher, teaching me how to sword fight Mm -hmm. on the stage. It was not accurate at all. It was like, well, Olympic fencing. So it is really fun. However, it's not really accurate on stage. Mm -hmm. When I thought about him and I saw this class, I was like really, really um, happy. And then like, I, I think I got into it four months later, something like that, because it was really far from home, the school. So they opened up another another school, and it was really close from home. 
then I had the chance to sign up and I was with them like two years I think this was like seven years ago okay. I'm really really bad at dates that's okay so, <laughs> so I think I was with them like uh two years three years and then uh I met in uh, I met Brian Stokes the maestro of Escola San Marco in a Schwerkampf the Schwerkampf is the um, the big event Yes, exactly. The big event that Elite Fencing Club, club mm. hosts here in Mexico. And one of the, the, the invites was Brian Stokes. So I start talking with him and we start talking about art and HEMA and swords. And I was totally in love with the idea that he had of HEMA and swords and how he, he was studying the manuscripts. And then he asked me and to start a project with Scola San Marco that was translating the um, flower of battles mm -hmm. to Spanish. So oh. we started translating, I started translating the flower of battles to Spanish for the first time. And we translated just the postas and mm -hmm. the sort uh, Sogo Largo part. And after that, we made a small event where we were training. And then he told me if I want to be a part of Scola San Marco school which I said yes, of course. <laughs> and so there after is, that... Sorry. Where are they? Uh, after... Sorry? Where is uh, his school? Where are they based? Scholas in Marco is based in San Diego. Yes, okay. in San Diego, California. Mm -hmm. And they open up the school here in Mexico City. It's cool. Scholas in Marco, Mexico, which I am instructor right there. And two years ago, I actually won the grade of instructor in Scuola mm -hmm. San Marco. So I've been teaching uh, that time. Mm -hmm. And that's it, I think. And right now I am giving, uh, like most of us right now, online classes yeah. due to the pandemic. <laughs> so it how... is really, really hard. It's a challenge. It's yeah. a really big challenge. So you've had to adapt rapidly to the changes and be teaching your... So when you're, you're teaching online, are you teaching the students that you had before the lockdown or have you gained more online students? all students. Yeah, some of them are, are all students. However, um, this has been a, an opportunity for other people to train with me. I currently have students in another states of Mexico I have in another country students so it has been an opportunity to them uh, to begin classes with your or learning your with scholars mm -hmm. and with this uh, online classes thing uh, and but however it's really really hard because yeah. you, you, you're not able actually to see a lot of perspectives or how the student is holding the sword mm. or how to, uh, you have to manage really well the language so they can understand exactly how you want them to hold the sword or to, um, to step or where to step or what degrees they have to do. And also another challenge, I think, is um, the pressure of the blade. They do not have anyone. It's their feeling. So, yeah. Yes, exactly. So that feeling, they're not, they're not able to, to feel it. <laughs> so it, it has been like really hard. However, we have been managing and um, we hope soon we can open up classes, uh, like physical, face-to-face -face classes again. Mm -hmm. At least for the students that are close to me right now. Yeah. I, I guess like 
the the new situation that I've, I've said this in previous interviews has presented us with new ways of looking at things and also allowed us to reach out to more people because of the online aspect of learning and it means that you can reach more people even though you're losing out like obviously there is that physical aspect of HEMA is just not there but on the bright side you can uh, recontact your old students get get new students uh, from far further exactly. further yeah. Great. So given yes, totally. Go on, sorry. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um I was gonna say given given uh Brian Stokes's uh Fiore uh perspective uh, and studies and uh the uh, Scola San Marco, isn't it? Um yes. I I'm guessing that Fiore is your your focus. Um yes. when you were at Elite Fencing, were you is that what you were mainly working on? Did you start with longsword or did you study other weapons? No. Uh <laughs> actually we have a little uh like debate, Roberto and me. Not not in a bad way at all. Mm -hmm. However, Roberto's main focus is has always been mayor. And mm -hmm. in that way, my first class ever in HIMA was with one of the coaches in Elite Fencing Club. Uh, his name is Agustin. And he actually teaches Fior. So my first class ever in HIMA was, was Fior. However, it was just that one class. And then Roberto uh, took, the, took the leadership in the longsword classes there in that, in that, um, in that school. Mm -hmm. uh, I started actually with Mayer. Yes, long story yeah. with Mayer, and I was like, okay, this is okay, this is fine. I, I like it. I like it. I didn't know Fior, so I did. I didn't had anything to compare it with. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was studying that, and then I met Brian Stokes, and you know, the Fire Nation attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I love it. So, uh, what? Obviously, you love Fiore. Uh, it's your passion. It's your 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 pro your passion project. Even um, what? What is your favorite aspect of Fiore? Wow, that's a really hard question, but I think I think it really connects with something that is going on in my life right now, and it's going to happen in a long time. Um, after that, I start studying and start um, practicing more and more, and start focusing a lot in the manuscripts and the details on the manuscripts and all this. Uh, you begin to learn a little bit about biomechanics and kinematics and anatomy and a lot of different stuff. So I tend to over-focus on things and over-obsess. Um, I, I tend to obsess over the things that I really, really like and I really mm -hmm. love. So a couple of years ago, I started a new career that is physical therapy, just for me to be able to understand more the manuscripts and more how they moved. So I think that one thing that I love the most about Fior and about the flower battles is the understanding of biomechanics and kinematics and how the body works and moves. Mm -hmm. Because even though it's a little literal thing that it's on the manuscript, you can, you can see how they knew um, for the, um, the application of the of the postas and the place mm -hmm. for the soap, uh, and you you realize and I, or I realize that they had a really good understanding of how body moves and works. Mm -hmm. So I think that is 
one thing that I really, really, really passionate, uh, I am passionate about is understanding how, how this works, why this works, why if I put my finger here, then it's, my blade is going to act in a, in a very different way uh, that if I put my finger down mm -hmm. or up or, mm -hmm. or like this or like this or like this or if it's true edge or if it's false edge why does it work like that you know I think in that way my main focus is a little bit more uh, scholar more nerdy more anatomy more more like that more into the books and into mm -hmm. the 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 theory part of it more mm -hmm. than the tournament, so all the that. science behind the the yes, the exactly the science behind swords. I think I think that that really really represents um, or really catches what my main focus and mm -hmm. what I'm most passionate about mm -hmm. swords. So you 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 actually took up physiotherapy to help your understanding of fury. <laughs> wow, <laughs> that is that is love. <laughs> I know. I mean, it, it is. It, it is the main reason. I, I have other reasons. Alex maybe honestly doesn't give you a lot of a lot of or an impressive uh, economic future here in Mexico, unfortunately. So, in pursuit of a uh, great economic uh, or a better economic aspect in my life and a better understanding of swords and fear, I decided that physical therapy was the way to go. And how had, I mean, you said that the thing you like about Fiore is the biomechanical aspect and the understanding of how the body works, which inspired you to take up physiotherapy. Of course, there is also the the, the need to have a, a job and, you know, a, a career. But what what about studying, how has physiotherapy and the study of anatomy, how has that affected your understanding of of Hema and the manuscript. That well, I think, yes, it has really changed it. Uh, first of all, I think uh, that would be a really good question for my students or the people that are right now taking classes with me mm -hmm. because right now they are receiving a lot, a lot of information about anatomy and about physics. Mm -hmm. And I think one of my favorite subjects in, in college right now was physics and how physics apply to the human body. So... Mm -hmm. If you apply that to, to fencing, you discover actually that the sword is a first, first degree lever. Mm -hmm. And that works basically. And um, for example, when you are doing a, a specific movement or doing, you are doing in a specific play or you push the opponent's blade a certain way, I actually know what muscles there are involved, what are the the aspects of the the joints that are moving and in that way i actually want to prepare physically better to the fencers to the hema fencers because right now there is not an actual or not that i know at least or not here in mexico mm -hmm. there is not a scientific study or there are not a lot of studies and how are we are supposed to be training you know mm -hmm. And that is a really like a wide, 
wide, wide, wide question because it would depend on uh, what are your objectives and what are the uh, what is the sword that you're using or what is uh, your main focus if you want to be a scholar if you or you want to make tournaments or you want to uh, win a lot of medals then there are really different objectives. Mm. And, uh, sorry, come on. Okay, I'm sorry. And uh, there is not a training per se in HEMA that actually tells you, okay, so you need to train this for uh, you to be able to have a little more power in your core or in your legs, or uh, we just train everything. And yeah. we just exercise with everything. However, when you go and train, for example, football or any other martial arts or even Olympic fencing, you have an, a specific training for that. Mm -hmm. That is based on a, in a lot of scientific paperwork mm. and a lot of things. And also the equipment is based on a lot of scientific uh, research. And right now in HEMA, we do not, not yet or not that I know, uh, we do not have that research that exactly that uh, that there's no money for it. No money to fund any research. Exactly. So yes, I'm a I'm a <laughs> Yeah. So I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to create um, a, a training that actually develops a hema fencer to 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 his or her prime. You know mm -hmm. that yeah. allows that person to actually thrive in the sport not in an empiric way. I don't yeah. know if that's the word. <laughs> no, I think rather than just train politically, like let's just generally be strong and, and fast. How, exactly. do, how do we like specifically effective? Yeah, precisely. There's not, not like a scientific base into that. So, I mean, and it's not that it's wrong, you know, because probably most of what we are doing right now is probably right because uh, it's based on on results. However, having uh, having the data, having the theory, having that scientific base will allow us will allow us to improve and to go much much faster mm -hmm. in that way. And improving also the equipment that we're doing. Mm -hmm. and the consequences of what we do, because actually that's that's the point of my whole career. You know like having the physical therapy when you have an injury. So how HEMA is affecting us in the long term, in the mm. long term, how it's affecting us, because there's, there's little to no information in that. And mm. no one is paying attention to that. So I want to, I, it's, it's, I'm very curious about that. It's just a lot of curiosity and why, how this is working and why this is working, the way it's working. The, uh, I mean, this is interview number 39, and the two things that crop up in many of these interviews are Fiore and strength training, like strength training to prevent injury. Uh, so, like, this is like, it's all like, it's all been leading to this kind of thing. So, your, like, your specialism is Fiore and, uh, you know, training the human body specifically for this activity, uh, rather than uh, I mean, look, what, like you say, like every other sport has research for the activity so that the athletes are maximizing their training time specifically for the activity that they want to excel at. Whereas we are just kind of hoping we're doing the right thing or, you yeah. know, how many people carry injuries 
you know, or more more specifically, how many people took up Olympic weightlifting because they realised they needed to be stronger to prevent themselves from getting injured uh, whilst doing this activity. Um, I'm not saying that they're wrong. I'm saying that that's, that's what's worked for them kind of thing. But it would be hugely beneficial to everyone on every level with like you say whether it's performance or if it's just for, to prevent injury or if it's just to uh maximize our time uh if we knew exactly what the right things were to do uh because like physiotherapists are often turn to as a remedy rather than the best practice prevention. yeah like yes. prevent prevention and like this is how you should perform this activity uh, usually, like when you go to a physiotherapist, it's like to say, "You've been doing this wrong. You need to do this. Don't do that anymore." <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's because it's already broke. Something is already broken. However, yeah. it's not supposed to be that way. Actually, uh, the main focus on the school that I am is, well, of course, is treating patients that are or already have an injury, already have a pathology. However. A big part of what we do is also preventing. And mm -hmm. you can ask anyone in the health industry this. And the most important or one of the most important aspects of the health industry is actually preventing. It's way cheaper. Yeah. It's way better. And it's way, uh, yes, and it really improves the way that um, of the quality of life of people. For example, here in HEMA, we we guess or we, we tend to know how many newtons of force are, uh, are the hits that we mm -hmm. take with a blade in the head or in the body. However, what are the consequences in long terms? To the brain or whatever, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And there, there's a lot of, lot, of, lot of research regarding that. For example, in, um, in uh, football, in American football, it's... And there have been a lot of cha changes regarding that in the helmets, in the way of practice, in the rule in tournament, uh, tournament, I'm sorry, the, the game rules in, in football. Uh, however, right now in HEMA, it looks like it's okay, just, just hit to the head and it will be fine. Mm. However, in the, in a long term health wise, because it's, yeah, it's really fun and we yeah. all enjoy doing it, but, but in health, health wise, in a long term, that can be really, really bad. And if we do not change or we do not know this, then it could be really, really dangerous for us. Mm -hmm. uh, in not, not in a way that people stop hitting to the head or stop because that won't happen. And mm -hmm. that's not that's not. But just to give the clarification, now you know that it, this might be the consequences if you do this or if you do that. Mm -hmm. If you do this, then you prevent this. Uh, how are we to know that yet? Yeah. So in the long term, these these hits to the head, and there's a lot of research on that. Uh, they're really really bad. Not only it's it's not only like the it's it causes uh, mental illnesses and it causes a lot of uh, mental health related issues that mm. should be taken a lot of a lot of attention and we don't know right now what is going on and yeah. how that works because a lot of these uh like repeated impacts to the head the symptoms don't show until decades later sometimes yeah. um exactly. takes a long time for, you know the con continuous uh impacts 
Um, so uh, just to speak to the viewers, um, we're almost halfway through. We've got another five minutes. Uh, please, if you're watching this, uh, if you look at the bottom of, the, of your screen, um, there's a little question mark box. If you've got any questions for us, just tap on that and add your questions uh, for Isabel. And uh, when I've finished my questions, um, I've got a couple more, uh, we, we will pass it over to you guys at home and uh, you can uh, send us your, your, your questions and your requests. Um, so what is your, like, we've talked about your, your interest, um, obviously, in Fiore, but what is, of, what is it about the sources that drew you in? Because you said that initially when you came and you saw the HEMA class, you were like taken aback, like, wow, look at this. This is amazing. But what makes HEMA HEMA obviously is the manuscripts and the manuals. So what is it about those that you – what is the fa your favourite thing about those, uh, those books? Uh, my favourite source in Fjord? Yeah, or yeah, you're either your favorite. Well, obviously, your favorite source is Fiore, but what is the aspects about the manuals that you enjoy? As 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 an ex art student, I would say the art, on oh, the manuscripts, okay. of course, and the perspective that they used, and the 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 artwork that mm -hmm. they use. I really, 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 really enjoy watching Marozzo's manuscripts. Mm. Actually, I was able to see an original copy of Marozzo um, with Brian with, mm. because I was uh, a couple of years ago. Yes, I was invited to a seminar of Escola San Marco, and Brian has a couple of copies or, or original copies of uh, the Aquila Marozzo mm -hmm. manuscript. And also a Tibold, an original Tibold manuscript, which is very big huge, and colored. Very, very big. And yes, and I think I was amazed uh, with the art on those manuscripts. And as a physical therapist student, I really enjoy the physical aspects that this artwork represents. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, right. My, my last question to you before um, we hand over to the folks at home. Uh, please, everyone, just tap that little question mark at the bottom and send us your questions. Um, outside of Fiore, because Fiore, I, I, I tend to think of just the long saw, but obviously Fiore is an entire system um, of, of lots of different things from grappling to horseback all kinds of stuff. Uh, but outside of Fiore, do you have any other weapon interests, something that you'd like to look at? Weapon? Yes. I mm. really like Marozzo. Side sword or? Dagger. Dagger. I like Marozzo. Dagger. Dagger. I think the dagger work uh, in every manuscript is really interesting. I really like close combat. So I really like... Um, Marozzo, I like Dagger from Fior, of course. And from the German manuscripts, because I really, I am really enjoying the Codex Wallenstein information mm -hmm. and the Lichtenauer information. Mm -hmm. I'm not so much about Mayer, however, I, I would like to think that I like more time periods that these masters are in, 
I, I really like the Marozzo Dagger plays. Unfortunately, we can't do it anymore. And it's really clear. I really love that Marozzo actually puts the, the floor, tile, the tile floor, mm. so you can see the perspective and the, the, how profound and where it's left and what is right. It's really, really, really great. I, yeah, I, I, I remember showing um, the manuals to um, a ballet teacher at a, because um, I work in a school and I was like, we were asked to sort of um, show the kids. It was like, it was a bit like a freshers week thing for these little kids. So they were new students and we were trying to show them like different extracurricular activities and so I was offering HEMA classes and this, this other lady in the next booth, she was offering ballet. And so while we were waiting for the kids to come in, we just started talking and uh, I, I was showing her, um, the, I think it was either Marozzo or it might have been Fabris. And she said, do you know what these pictures with the, with the uh, floor marked out where their, where their feet are, she says it's, it's very similar to how dance um Di diagrams yeah. are sometimes displayed because you sometimes see like um footprints for where to put your feet especially mm -hmm. if it's like ballroom or, or uh that kind of latin dancing but sometimes especially in like classical and ballet the grid on the floor is what gives you the three dimensions and allows yeah. you to see where your body is in space so that's a really yes. cool um yeah. useful tool um, oh, look, it's actually, a lot of years ago, here in the UNAM, which is the biggest university here in Mexico, uh, there was the fencing career. Actually, you could you could major at fencing, mm -hmm. and one of the classes in that career was ballet. Mm. So yes. Yeah. I can I can see where they are they are coming and why it's so so similar because actually if you see for example capoeira blades or giganti blades they come on they look like they're doing doing ballet yeah <laughs> and by the way but the footwork is just beautiful I mean the the Renaissance gentleman was expected to be able to fence dance ride a horse. And they, they and yes. and be good at like geometry and things like this. So it, it those things are all quite closely interwoven. I think uh, closely connected. Like literally, uh, the universities would teach all of those things, you know, contemporaneously. Contemporaneously, uh, we got a question in our questions box. Let's see what it says. Aha, Hermes LGG. Where can I find more information about Isabel's courses, hours, materials, costs? So we were talking about your online um, Scholar San Marco classes. classes. How do we, where can we learn about that? Uh, you can send me a message to my Facebook page because um, right now, because I am working and the new semester of the school it has started, I don't have like... A lot of time available right now. However, I have a couple of spaces still 
Um, so if anyone wants to do the class with me, the best way would be to write me and we can go ahead and agree in a in a schedule because my schedule right now is really 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 crazy okay so just contact you via your facebook page and what's your facebook page called isabel montalvo easy isabel montalvo okay uh another question that's cropped up let's see ah chad comox valley combat guild what weapons do you compete in have you got any good stories or achievements? So let's atta attack those one at a time. Do you compete? I, think, I don't think you do, do you? Yes. Uh, however, because of the pandemics and because of uh, an injury last tournament right. and the lack of tournaments actually here in Mexico, mm -hmm. because that's an issue. Mm -hmm. I haven't been competing in the last couple of years. However, the last time I competed, or there, there's actually a really pretty story in that because I actually met my boyfriend oh. uh, for the first time in a tournament. We were fighting against each other. <laughs> yes, I know. That's, 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 that's disgusting. That's so disgusting. <laughs> I know. I think today is our three-year anniversary. <laughs> so your eyes met across, yeah. across the crowded uh, piece, or the uncrowded piece. <laughs> So who won? Yeah, it was we were we were just acquaintances in that time, and I knew his name, and uh, because he's actually a really good good fencer in in tournaments, and who so he? he totally won like eight two. Oh, you uh, hit him then. That's good. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, he beat me in battle, so he's worthy. Okay, but you won his heart. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> What's your boyfriend's name? Yeah, that's true. I'm sorry? His name. Oh, Pablo Barrera. Pablo Barrera. Yeah. Uh, Pablo. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, any more questions, just drop them down the bottom. Um, so, I think you mentioned um, your um, acting career uh, was before all of the HEMA and, and uh, the physio. Has that helped you at all? Because I mean, because obviously you did some stage combat. You said it was like similar to Olympic fencing. Do you think that gave you a, a head start in in HEMA and fencing? Yes, I think totally because uh, the school I was in it was a very physical school. Mm -hmm. So I took body classes. I took uh, corporal expression mm -hmm. classes. I took both. I took jazz, I took a lot of, well, a lot of uh, dancing classes. And when you do that, you learn how to move, mm -hmm. where is right, where is left, how to move. Uh, and now I know that the neurons, that the neuron path from your brain to your muscle uh, is trained in mm -hmm. that. So when I to HEMA and I have my first class with Agustin, the, one of the first things Agustin told me was, uh, I can see that you have to take dance classes because it shows. Mm -hmm. And now I see with, with students, when I have a student that has, uh, or knows how to dance or had, uh, has practiced another um, martial arts or has a body-related uh, work or studies or learning, 
it's a lot easier mm. because they, they it gives you a knowledge about rhythm and how to move and and the tempo and even the measure of your mm -hmm. body against someone who is new at all in physical activity mm. it's like a physical vocabulary that you already have um I think, I think as an instructor, when you when you take brand new HEMA babies, you're almost like reteaching them about their bodies because people yeah. are a little bit, well, they're very self-conscious, let's face it. People are very self-conscious when they start doing HEMA and it's becoming reacquainted with your physical form yes, and how exactly. it moves. And, and every week, week in, week out, it's, it's about reaching out to your physical form and trying to sort of form a... Uh, a connection yes. with with yourself um oh gosh that sounds very esoteric yes. but it's essentially just knowing where all your limbs are all the time and how it works exactly. um and for example, in that matter now i know that we have um receptors in our joints that actually tells us mm. our personal brain where every joint is and how to move so if you haven't trained that expert or you you don't uh, have a stimulus to that um, to that receptors, then it's going to be harder. Mm -hmm. However, they are uh, exercises, small exercise, and really, really simple exercise for the instructors to to have uh, for the students mm. that allows the students learn these things faster oh. instead of them like really struggling with disorder, really struggling uh, struggling with outside inside left right etc etc et instead of that then you go ahead and put this small very 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 simple exercises that's proprioceptive exercises and there it's easier for them to to understand how how to move how how this works how their body works mm -hmm. Uh, Roberto says, I learned when teaching Isabel and then another student who is also an actor, that actors are easy to train because they are used to listening to the director and doing what is asked by the director. So that's another aspect of why uh, acting students and actors are so, you know, competent at following instruction. That's that's what they're used to. Um, it's uh, in dancing copy to your instructor to your teacher you learn how to copy it like almost instantly you see it and then you have to do it like yeah like I think it's so important I mean there's there's lots of different styles of learning um and I think for I know whether someone is a visual learner or not I think it's very important and, and it's especially now you're doing like online teaching that you have to mod you have to model the the behavior that you want your students to replicate otherwise it's just you yes. telling them something and them having to work out from your words what you mean so it i think as an instructor it's really important to model the action the technique over and over and over yes. again and do it to your best ability as well so that they've got someone to copy because i know that for me that's what that's what worked for me as, as a student was just seeing my instructor who had really good form and excellent poise and it's it's something to aspire to it's like i want to be like that i want to try and copy that um you have to be sometimes or what i have found is that you have to learn their language their body language mm. and verbal language 
for them to be able to understand what you want them to do. Mm -hmm. Because you cannot touch in that moment. You cannot uh, correct the position physically. So you have to use a, their words for they to to understand what you want them to do. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you have to speak on the in in their language and tune into their their frequency. Um, what you were saying earlier about uh, those exercises, those simple exercises, I think all of us are thinking, Isabel, please, will you make a video and show us these uh, these exercises? Sure. Put it on YouTube or something or, or Instagram yeah. so we can use this. Uh, there's a very good Facebook group called HEMA World Domination. I don't know if you're a part of it, but it's all instructors. Yeah. Um, so almost everyone in there is, is an instructor or about to become an instructor. And, and everyone in there is saying, help, let's all help each other be, be better at teaching. So that would be a, a really useful resource for everybody in there. Um, we've got about 15 minutes left. Um, I'll just announce my, so I, I said at the beginning of, of the interview that I used to be doing two uh, interviews a week. Uh, throughout lockdown and now I, I've gone back to work so I'm I'm doing them on uh, once a week now on a Sunday so my guest next Sunday is uh, Lauren Ings and she's in Australia so that's another time zone jump for me yes, that's a lot of <laughs> in the other direction so she's ahead not behind um so yeah we that might be i can't remember what time of day that is but i think we're going to be doing that at a slightly different time to the usual six o'clock but i will do a post on that um if any of you have got any questions for um you can add on the one to watch for me all right, all right, okay. Sorry, my mum wants to watch TV. I have to go in the other room. Um, <laughs> so, apologies for that. I got kicked out. Um, I'm in the study now. Hope my battery lasts. So, um, what was I saying? Yeah, my guest next interview. Yeah, my next interview is Lauren. Mm -hmm. um, so, looking forward to that. Uh, she, yeah, she's she's in Australia. Um, okay, while we're waiting for anyone to come up with uh, another question, um, my next question for you is: uh, What are your hopes for um, he, Mexi for Hema in Mexico? <laughs> Big questions for you. That's that's a really big question. Um, oh look, I've got a world map Mexico. behind me. There you are. There I am. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, Hima in Mexico. I think one of the things that we need to do, and something me and my boyfriend want to do really bad how it, it was obviously postponed because of the pandemic and everything is closed and we don't we do not want to um expose anyone mm -hmm. it's the lack of tournaments and lack of events here mm -hmm. in mexico we have a couple just a couple uh in which probably one of them it's really 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 important and people outside people uh, 
people outside of HEMA really don't know about. Mm -hmm. So something that I really hope is to open up more events, more international events, more national events, where a lot of people can come over and not only from Mexico, but all over the world and come over and meet us because I think there's a lot of people interested in HEMA and right now practicing HEMA that doesn't have this uh, great perspective about it because the clubs are very small and the, the contacts that they have, it is really, really reduced. Mm -hmm. So opening up those branches, opening up those, those doors uh, for them to be able to see all the, 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 the panorama that is HEMA worldwide mm. would be really right now for Mexico because it's really, really narrow right now mm. because of uh, because of this. Um, just a few people have the, the microphone in HEMA Mexico. Mm -hmm. And those people always tend to, well, of course, as everyone, tend to speak and then everyone or the same people is is um, is inside the HEMA circle. Mm -hmm. However, that circle hasn't expanded yet because it's always the same and the same and the same and the same people. However, I think that there's this lack of communication, there's this lack of, of, of breaches between uh, between schools, between other countries. So opening up those breaches would be fantastic. Yeah, I think obviously all of us had big plans for 2020, which all got chucked away uh, or filed <laughs> away to be pulled out of the drawer at a later date, which is really sad. But I mean, it, it's given us this time to think about our, our plans and our goals and, and uh, what we want to achieve. Yeah. Um, and yes, I, I, can't, I couldn't agree more. I think it's like a universal thing, like both when you go to an event, you see the same people and when you go online you always see the same people and it gives you a very skewed and uh incomplete vision of the whole picture of what the population of HEMA is because not everyone is present online not everyone can go to events not everybody wants to go to a particular type of event that's why there are such a proliferation of lots of different types of events to try and cater for all those needs and all those uh, interests and like them obviously the more events you put out the more people we will see the more kind of connections we will get like the one between uh you and brian stokes which of course spawned this magnificent uh project and changed the course of your life uh and got you interested in in, in uh, all these different things, so I think yeah that that's only going to benefit the community at large yes. and the individuals within. Uh, it. Exactly, give everyone the chance, a different chance and a different option mm. that they can choose from, uh, depending on their objectives on their or their goals in HEMA, mm. and to have a. a, a an option that actually accommodates to that, mm -hmm. then help, uh, that would help growing the HEMA aspect here in Mexico. Mm -hmm. Totally. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
Svet Camp is the only one that I'm really familiar with because yeah. it's big, <laughs> and I know Roberto, so it's like it's like it's the big one. But yeah, every every nation's got it. It's it's big event that everybody knows about. I'm sure there's there's other things going on uh, uh, sort of beneath the surface that we 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 just don't hear about, and it'll be good, you know, to get. Obviously, we can't right now, but I mean, there are there are there are ways and means like. Uh, as we as we said earlier in the, in this interview like uh, the online aspect of learning now the, the the necessity of learning online has changed things so people are already doing online events like online workshops and like online uh, conventions and you know on online um, competitions even there's been like several several people have run have run a like a marozzo uh so like a bolognese forms competition i think someone did earlier in the year which was really cool um so you know there's things you can do there's ways and means of doing it um um, obviously what we're missing is that human interaction that face-to-face contact uh where you're just sitting down and talking about your 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 favorite your favorite uh sources and your and what you're studying and everything and sort of doing that, that cross-pollination. Um, yes, the, the human bond that actually uh, also comes along with these type of tournaments and mm. these type of events. Because uh, I have learned that one of the biggest aspects of these kind of events is the, the people that you meet outside mm. the sword yeah. world and uh how you how you bond with these people will open up or close doors in the future mm-hmm. so yes totally agree with that yeah uh with the human, the lack of human interaction in in these events yeah i mean we, we're getting human interaction now it's not quite the same but it's 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 <laughs> it's a necessity yes. you know uh we got about 10 minutes left uh Chad at Comox Valley Combat Guild says, I'd come down from Canada for a tournament or event in the future. So there you go. There'll be a bunch of Canadians heading your way. They're ready to go, ready to jump on a plane and come to Mexico. Uh, Roberto says, uh, thank you for mentioning Schwertkampf. Not a problem. Um, Any more questions for our last few minutes before we get kicked off of Instagram? You've got a lot of books there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My boyfriend is a really avid reader. I can tell. She's really, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> are they all are they all fencing books or are they like uh No, there are there are books. I think this shelf is history books, I think. And this shelf is um fantasy books. Yes, I see Toth here. <laughs> And the other one, and it goes like both ways. Also. Awesome. Poetry, also a lot of poetry. Oh, nice. It's very tidy. It's very nice. My, 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 I need to tidy the, I've got a bookshelf in my bedroom where I normally broadcast from and all the books are all falling over and I need, I need to tidy that up. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask the, you. Um, so you're teaching online and you mentioned that you were translating Fiore into Spanish. Is that project complete or is it still in progress? Yes Yes and no, because the project, it was only for, it was only for Postas and Juego Largo, um, long play in Fiore, and that is finished. Okay. Right now with the new information that we have, 
actually that probably has uh, right now a couple of of uh, changes in the translation. However, we we have in front of us dagger and sogostretto and all other techniques in fear. So it's a really big manuscript to translate. And it's a really, really long process because it first is translated to English with an, um, a different type of language than a Latin, Latin root. And then from the English is translated to Spanish. However, uh, the Spanish translation is also based um, in the Italian language. However, just as a source, we use the English uh, translation just to make sure that we are doing our correct translation. Just to triangulate between them. Yeah, exactly. And actually the translation travels to Europe first because there are some people that are helping us, a PhD um, majors, I'm sorry, uh, they're helping us that majored in uh, Italian, medieval, in that specific um, geographical area uh, to, for the translation, just to correct some aspects. Mm-hmm. And then it's com- it comes to me and then I translate it to Spanish. Oh, so it's a really long a process. long process. Yes, in that process, of course, there are a lot of errors and corrections that you have to make to the translation to make it correct. So yes, it's a it's a it's a lot of work right now. <laughs> it's a lot, a lot. But it's it's very it's very thorough. So it's not just the case of one person going from the Italian to Spanish. It's looking at Sp- Italian to English. Yeah, and and exactly. vice versa. Yeah. And you got another set of guys working on it as well. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes, because actually the goal is to have the manuscript translated to English and to Spanish. Okay. So to have the three of them in just one one book. Awesome. Um, so when you're teaching your classes, uh, Scholar San Marco, online, are you teaching in Spanish or in English? <laughs> right now, I only have um, a Spanish uh, uh, speaker. Mm-hmm. students <laughs> I didn't remember my students yes I only have Spanish speaker students however I actually learn Fior in English okay so when I am teaching a lot of the the words that I use are English words <laughs> because Brian teaches me and I see the streamings in hi thank you <laughs> the streamings in uh, in English and then I apply them in Spanish so yes it, it's really weird because it's an Italian word so it's closer to Spanish than in English yeah yeah however I <laughs> like oh yes the window guard instead of posta de la vera finestra which is actually easier for me to pronounce and easier for me to understand mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's really really curious about it because I do learn fear in English so it's it's just curious I'm just gonna go upstairs because my mum is on the phone and she's being really loud (laughs) okay sorry about that um apologies so you have you ever taught a class in English not that I remember of no not yet at least because like actually all my classes have been in spanish Mm -hmm. 
yes at the moment because i mean like but i mean um go on sorry i'm sorry um yeah sometimes i mean it's not my first language so sometimes words scramble in my head mm -hmm. however I, th i think i could because i learn fear in english so mm -hmm. it actually could be even easier i don't know i i would have to try that one <laughs> I think I think for a lot of us people who our first language is English, we don't appreciate the how easy it is for us because wherever we go, if we if we're on like an international instructor, we can just teach in our first language, whereas all the other international instructors have to teach usually in English whenever they go to visit another country. Um, even yes. in the Netherlands, I, I've I've heard that. Um, the the instructors there even in their like their home clubs they'll be teaching the class in english in their own country wow. even though the majority of people yeah. are uh, native speakers because there's like one or two english speakers in the students <laughs> or who, who don't speak that much of dutch so they'll be teaching the whole class in english which i think is very accommodating no, and yes. i think we don't realize how how lucky we are not to have uh have that aspect um yes well so when you learn english most of the time you learn it uh since you were little most mm -hmm. of the time not not all but most of the time you learn it uh since you were you are little however you know it's an it's a school english it's, mm. uh, it's half the morning and it's not like a real english so, so to speak because when you you are face to face with an english speaker and it's not your first language for the first time you don't understand anything because there are a lot of words that you don't understand and that you don't know actually the language or the jargon that they're using mm. so that, uh, that you mentioned that uh, that also happens in Mexico uh, in Ishwarkamp I know that the most of the classes uh, that the instructors the invited instructors give are in English Uh, however, we do have a lot of people that speak English here, so uh, they do facilitate uh, translators in each of and every class. So they they can secure everyone understands and everyone is able to communicate. Mm -hmm. I find it to teach in English. <laughs> Billy Fan <laughs> says, "Really great, you're doing that." Uh, I think they're referring to your translation work. Uh, Roberto says, uh, I find it easy to teach in English, lol. I, I can understand that, actually, because like you say, it's an academic language, because if it's your second language, it's academic. And if it's academic, you can be very objective with it when you're teaching and very, like, is. I think I like I, I speak Italian and I find it easier to talk about technical things in Italian than to sort of have everyday conversation um, or, or to mm -hmm. write or to write <laughs> things when, you know, when you're using really specific language, uh, it sometimes is easier than it is to just converse conversationally, you know, just be have an easy chatter. We've got less than a minute left. Um, so I'm going to use this opportunity to say thank you so much for coming uh, and being interviewed, Isabel. It's been really fascinating to listen to your journey and your passion and your projects. And I wish you the best of luck with it. And we're all looking forward to seeing the translation when it comes out and uh, seeing your video for uh, these exercises <laughs> that you mentioned. Yeah. 
We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To show your appreciation, please give us a five-star review on your podcast platform or support our work by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash swordwomen. Go to at swordwomen on Instagram to see upcoming interviews or visit bythesword.net to learn about our events or visit our Facebook page, By the Sword.